Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's time again for Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and if you're listening, you know what this show is all about. We're all about obscure, hard-to-find, little-seen, gems in the rough, horror movies, sci-fi movies, fantasy movies, you name it. Eventually, I'm hoping to cover it more than likely. Uh, And today, I have an interesting assortment of movies that I'd like to just chat about a little bit. Uh, I I was, again, considering continuing on with my my trauma series, and I am going to. I'm going to continue with that. I just... uh, I. After talking Toxic Avenger for a couple episodes, I'm like, ah, I just, meh. so much of their stuff, like I said before, so much of their stuff kind of seems similar, so I just want to take a little break from from the trauma stuff. But rest assured, I will get back into their movies. Uh, what I wanted to talk about today, and uh, I love science fiction. I just, I, I love science fiction almost as much or as much as the uh, the horror genre. And I just, I was just thinking, what would be a good movie that would fall under the I hesitate to say a little scene, but a movie that should be rediscovered and uh, a movie that that holds up incredibly, incredibly well. And um, I decided uh, that it is time for me to talk about a special because I've already hit on 2001 A Space Odyssey and Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, I thought I'd hit on this science fiction movie. And here is yet another PG-rated science fiction movie that I'm going to talk about, or PG-rated movie in general, and that is 1979's The Black Hole, starring Maximilian Schell, Anthony Perkins, Robert Forster, uh, Joseph Bottoms, Ernest Borgnine, great cast, uh, directed by Gary Nelson, and uh, Gary Nelson has done, uh, he did a lot of stuff back in, uh, back in the day, uh, he hasn't been doing a whole lot since uh, a TV show in the late '90s, early into early 2000. But back in the day, he did uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, Black Hole, I would consider his his best work. Although, having said that, there there is other things that he's done. Uh, of note, I think it's funny that he actually directed Alan Quartermain and The Lost City of Gold, which is quite something. That's a canon movie, and I could. Uh, not can I will be talking about canon movies uh, in the near future, so hang on for that one. But this is Disney's answer to Star Wars, and there was other movies that came out shortly after Star Wars that were obviously capitalizing on on the success of that movie. Just the same same would apply to Ridley Scott's Alien. There was a bunch of imitators for that movie as well, and uh, and Star Wars. You know, Success breeds more success, and it, it outcomes all the imitators. And I'm okay with that. I I actually like that uh, when a movie hits it big, and studios scramble to try to do the next next best thing. And I'm I'm totally okay with that because what you have then is like Blair Witch Project spawned all of the found footage movies, and there was a ton of great found footage movies out there. Avatar. Spawn 3D, and there's a lot of good 3D movies out there, and uh, the list goes on and on. Obviously, one of my uh, one of the crowning achievement achievements for me would have been the 
the big the beginning of the slasher movie from the early '80s with Halloween and then Friday the Thirteenth. But Halloween really started off that huge slasher boom. So Star Wars did just that. There's Roger Corman Productions and um, Black Hole, Star Trek the Motion Picture. Uh, so it it just it spawned a huge uh, a huge epic science fiction genre that is still going to this day. And obviously there are new star Wars movies coming out in almost exactly one year from now. So, and in one year from now, I'll be talking about that on my show, even though this show is cinema soft underbelly, I'm going to talk about star Wars, uh, the force awakened. And you know why? Because it's my show and I can do that if I want. So anyway, uh, okay. Black hole. So first off, this movie uh, does not have a blu-ray release. Which doesn't surprise me. It's Walt Disney, and unless unless there's a way to tie in a certain movie that they've done, uh, a, a movie that they've done with something that's coming out recently, it just seems like they just sit on them, and I just think that's just so ridiculous. So uh, it is available on uh, Vudu HD uh, video on demand, and I actually bought it for. I want to say 15 bucks because I want to see this. I wanted to see this in HD, and I did. Uh, the visuals are so astounding in this movie. They're so good. And watching a crummy old DVD on a big screen is just not in the cards for me. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to wait around for Disney. Supposedly, supposedly, it's going to get a remake from the director of uh, the Tron uh, sequel. And if so, great. Then we'll eventually see that on on Blu-ray. Disney did it with Tron. Once Tron came out on Blu-ray, they released the original Tron on Blu-ray as well. So, in fact, my co-host Eric Marner over on Movie Freaks has that movie. So, uh, anyway, so the synopsis of this fantastic movie is uh, the year is 2130 A.D. Uh, an Earth uh, exploration ship, the USS... Palomino discovers a black hole with a lost ship, the USS Cygnus, just outside its event horizon, and obviously event horizon, I've talked about that on my show, uh, deciding to solve the mystery of the Cygnus are the Palomino's captain, Dan Holland, his first officer, Lieutenant Charlie uh, Pizer, journalist Harry Booth, scientist and ESP-sensitive Dr. Kate McRae, whose father was the Cygnus's first officer, Dr. Alex Durant, the expedition's civilian leader and the robot known as Vincent, and that's V-I-N-C-E-N-T. Like, it's, that's, that's, it's, uh, that's the R2-D2 character of this movie, by the way. Uh, the Palomino attempts a dangerous flyby of the darkened ship, which uh, Paul Anderson did almost the exact same thing in his movie Event Horizon. Uh, as they come within close range of it, the uh, um, they experience uh, uh, there's some anomalies going on, and then um, basically they board the ship, this this huge ship, and uh, there's uh, Doctor Reinhardt, Reinhardt holds the captain, the crew captive when they realize that. Uh, when he realizes they can help him reach his goal of actually going into a black hole. And so the whole plot of the movie is this group of explorers are trying to get off of this ship that is doomed to go into a black hole by this crazy scientist. So um, 
And that, that scientist is played by Maximilian Schell, and he is great in this movie. I've seen other movies of his. This is my favorite one of his. He is a great mad scientist. And uh, anyway, he, uh, he's got his own big uh, creepy-looking robot, and uh, it, there's, uh, it's very similar to it's very similar to Star Wars, honestly. It, ha- it has a lot of similarities with the music. The music in this is so, so, so good. Uh, I love the score of it. The special effects. This is from 1979. And the, I, I'm, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, man, these are, these are really, really good effects. They hold up extremely well. Uh, the budget I'm looking here, the budget was $20 million. And, uh, you know, I... From around, I'm guessing from around that time, uh, that would be a considered a pretty, a pretty big budget. Uh, however, it seems like even a bigger budget than that to me. So, be that as it may, I I, I don't know, you know what was what was considered a really big budget back then. But that I, it seems like it was even more than that. So, um. I'm going to just read some of the trivia on this movie. Um, neither uh, Roddy McDowell is in this movie, uh, and Slim Pickens. Uh, neither of them were credited for the voice work in the movie, uh, in either the opening or the closing credits, and they have uh, voice work. And this Roddy McDowell is the uh, the robot. So there's that. Um, okay, let's see here. This is interesting. The film, the the special effects. Uh, Disney originally had wanted to rent the uh, Dice Reflex camera system that was created for Star Wars A New Hope, and which was the first computer-controlled camera from ILM. And uh, the price and rental terms were unacceptable, so Disney created its own version instead, and what resulted was Disney's ASUS, Automated Camera Effects System, which was radically superior to the one that ILM created, um, the matte screen system, which enabled the camera to move on a matte painting, and that was previously impossible to do before this, and a computer-controlled modeling stand. And uh, there are several instances, when just reading that, I, I, I immediately in my mind I can pick out certain instances where that I, I, I see that, and I think that's great, and it worked so well. This was Disney's first PG-rated movie, and uh, it... I, you know, it, it's essentially it is a kids' movie, uh, but what's cool about it is there is a dark storyline in here. What the scientist is doing on this huge ship that is heading to the black hole is honestly really creepy, and it has such and I, I'm not going to spoil it, but it has such a creepy, bizarre ending. And I, it seemed like they were really trying to go for a 2001 Space Odyssey type of. Uh, deeper meaning type of thing, but it came off uh, not quite like that. It came off more uh, just odd and not quite fitting of the movie. But but in hindsight now, I really like that. I like that they went that route and that they did that. So I, I, I don't want to delve too much into it, but uh, it is there. And honestly, the there may be a couple small moments of this movie that Christopher Nolan has inserted into his uh, really, really good, but not not 
the best thing ever, Interstellar, that just came out. Uh, that's just me talking. I have no idea if he actually did, but there are a couple scenes that I thought, oh, that almost could be something that that uh, Christopher Nolan may have used. Now, having said that, there's there's so many movies since the dawn of movie making that it's anymore it's harder and harder to be unique and do your own thing without oh well that was stolen from this or this or this or this so you know I don't know but it's it's another one of those things to where I I'm okay with it I think that it's cool uh, I really I really 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 think that this movie is prime for a remake uh, it's with the special effects with the storyline. I think it would be brilliant. Uh, I think that Event Horizon is close to being in the same universe as this movie with its subject matter. Uh, but anyway, I, someone please remake this movie. Please. It would be so good. Uh, actually, I think it would be kind of funny if Disney would go ahead and do a remake of this that would come out like a year after the next Star Wars movie comes out, just like the original Star Wars movie came out. So we shall see. I doubt it. Um, Oh, let's see here. There's a ton of uh, other uh, info here. This film and Star Trek motion picture were released the same year and were the two last Hollywood films to include an overture. Uh, Once a common feature of major studio releases and 2001 did it and Oh, I just said this movie and Star Trek did it as well, and I think it's really, really cool uh, that that these movies did that. It makes it feel even more epic. Uh, the film's overture is usually cut for television broadcast, although it is included in showings on Turner Classic Movies, and then the DVD release has it as well. And so does the the uh, the online HD version that I that I bought. Uh, the character of Vincent was originally supposed to have more elaborate electronic eyes, and that's one thing with with this robot is. This robot doesn't work even half as good as R2-D2 does in Star Wars. It looks really hokey and silly, and it's he's kind of the comic relief, and it's not funny at all. I would have, uh, I think that they should have gone with a robot that doesn't speak uh, because it's it doesn't work. That's just me. Uh, now that is Roddy McDowell's voice, but it just doesn't work for me. And it his his eyes look like something out of uh, the Muppets or Sesame Street or something. It's like, what? It, it doesn't fit the rest of the movie and what they're doing. Uh, there is, of course, uh, robot soldiers on this huge ship, and, of course, they look kind of sort of like stormtroopers, and they act kind of sort of like stormtroopers. So there's a lot of Star Wars in here. Uh, the visual effect of the black hole itself was created by forming a whirlpool in a round plexiglass water tank, and then adding different colors of paint. And in the movie itself, it's, it's a thing of beauty. I love it. I love the fact that, that they were able to pull off an effect like that in a movie that old without CGI, uh, with practical effects, with just being very, uh, very intuitive with creating cool, unique on-screen effects. And it worked so well. Uh, Disney regarded the quality of the special effects to be so crucial that they called Peter Ellenshaw out of a 10-year retirement to work on the film. And uh, he had also worked on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, uh, he did a lot of other stuff for Disney, for Walt Disney World. Um, so and I'm, I'm looking through his list of, 
of what he's done, and it, there's a ton of stuff. Unfortunately, one of the last things that he did was Superman for the Quest for Peace, and it's like, oh, man, ouch. Uh, uh, at the time of its release, the movie featured a, the longest computer graphics sequence that had ever appeared in a film. The green grid sequence that appears under the opening titles. I still love that. I love how that opens up. It's uh, it's so cool. Um, the, a fixture in Disney's special effects department for more than 40 years. Uh, Eustace Lysa, uh, which was the head of the photographic effects department, retired after completing the uh, composite work on this film. Why, I don't know. I'm just reading. I'm just kind of just talking here. There's there's so many different um, different facts and trivia and whatnot on on this movie. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to bore you here. So I'll just basically say that uh, it's a great movie. This was regarded as the last big special effects production to be made under the old studio system. All of the elaborate special effects were created within the Disney studio and not farmed out to outside special effects companies. And uh, it's all there on screen. Trust me, all of the budget is on the screen for this movie. So I highly, highly recommend you watch the movie uh, either on DVD or better yet. In my opinion, I suggest going to Vudu and... uh, renting it it's even on uh, uh amazon instant video for you can rent it on there in hd but rent it in the best qual- best possible quality format so you can enjoy the movie as it should be seen in hd i can't wait to see this sometime on the blu-ray format uh but until then this ver- online version is the closest thing that that we have so big thumbs up for the movie highly recommend it uh it's great stuff so, and speaking of um, movies that took the success of one movie and and tried to duplicate it, which Star Wars Black Hole. Now we're going to talk about a movie called Creature, and Creature was a movie from 1985, and it was directed by William Malone. And William Malone has also done House on Haunted Hill, which I thought was really really good. And then he unfortunately also did Fear.com in 2002, which was not so good, in my opinion. Um, He had a really good episode on Masters of Horror, The Fair-Haired Child. It was a very good one. Uh, That was a really, really good uh, entry in that show. Uh, But for what it's worth, uh, Haunted Hill and especially Creature are, I think, his claims to fame. And supposedly he's got a director's cut version of this movie that hopefully will find release at some point or another. But until then, we just have the theatrical version. I still remember this movie. And by the way, this movie is a, is a complete knockoff of Ridley Scott's Alien. They're just putting that out there. It is. Trust me. It is, uh, it is Alien, but not. Uh, budget was $750,000. However, it's another one of those where it's very uh, – it's very uh, stretching the budget, I guess you could say. I'm, I'm babbling here. I know. I, I don't care. I, I like talking about these movies. Uh, but the, they stretch the budget, and it works quite well. Um, the acting on the movie, I will say that uh, the movie has it, – it's funny because I just watched a uh, movie called The Burbs that I talked about, and Wendy – Shaw was in The Burbs, and she's also in Creature. So there you go. It's it's a small world. Um, 
Klaus Kinski is in this, and I still have yet to see a Klaus Kinski, Kinski movie that I'm like, okay, now I see why he is such a great, he's so well-renowned and he's a great actor. I, I haven't seen one yet, and I'm waiting on it. I'm sure it'll happen, but haven't seen it yet. Uh, so, Creature from 1985. I'm going to read the plot summary here. A crew of scientists arrives on a far, cold planet to examine... Uh, archaic artifacts of unknown origin. They discover that their German enemies already have a ship there. When they seek their help after a failed landing, they're only, they only find the Germans' bodies, obviously slaughtered by one of the archaic creatures, awoken to new life. Now the alien is after them. Uh, this was actually known as Titanfind uh, at one point, and uh, they changed the creature, probably because it's sim- more similar to Alien. Um, the creature itself actually looks like the like Ridley Scott's uh, and Alien, um, and that's okay. That's It worked for Alien, and you know what? It works for this movie. This is much more of a midnight movie type thing, so there's copious amounts of nudity in it, and there's really cool fake gore there's one i remember watching this movie for the first time back when i was in my my teens and we rented this thing and i was i couldn't believe it this was this was so awesome heads are exploding people's faces are melting off uh and you know people get shot with these lasers then they you know blood erupts all over the place and it was just gory and i thought that was it was great especially for a science fiction movie i had seen some horror movies that were pretty graphic uh at the time but i never had seen a flat-out science fiction movie like this. I, I had seen Alien, I believe, at this point, uh, but it was just a TV version, if I remember correctly. So this was one of the first science fiction movies that I watched that was uh, a hard R. And this is a this was a pretty hard R-rated movie from what I can remember. The special effects crew that worked here on this movie uh, was the same in Aliens for James Cameron a year after. So there you go. Uh, some of the effects crew worked on James Cameron's Alien, so you should watch Creature. Um, some of the classic sci-fi props and gizmos in the movie uh, are from Forbidden Planet, which was from 1956. Uh, Director-producer William Malone, a sci-fi fanatic, owns a collection of Forbidden Planet items, including Robbie the Robot, and thought it would be fun to use some of them in his film. And so I guess they're in there somewhere. Uh I really, really, really would like to see the uh, the actual director's cut of this movie. Um, so it's supposedly, there's a, some questions on here, is why is the Saturn moon Titan chosen as the setting for the movie? And Titan is the most Earth-like satellite body in our solar system uh, with not so extreme temperatures as other planets and satellites as well as the only large liquid bodies. Titan is the best choice for probability. Uh, also, it is within our solar system, so it does not appear to need extremely super advanced technologies, and it's much easier to believe. So there you go. Um, you know, I because I've watched this movie numerous times on VHS, and I think I watched it once on uh, on DVD. But the DVD is it's basically you just take the VHS and slap it onto a disc, and that's what you got. And it and it's um, it's too bad. Um, I do think that, uh, that a remaster of this, of this movie, and it has been done. I think that a remaster would so, so improve this movie. Um, and I mean, I'm watching all sorts of stuff remastered from Scream Factory, 
movies that have long since been thought lost. And so this one here desperately, desperately needs something like that. And so I'm holding out hope that Creature does get the love that I I personally feel it deserves because I think that it's a very good movie. And um, I'd like to watch it again, but part of me... Part of me wants to just hold out and wait for, uh, wait for a better version to come out. So we shall see. Um, and I'm going to touch on one more here, and this one here uh, is from. Now we're jumping all the way up to 2009, and I just want to hit on this just briefly, uh, and that is 2009's Pandorum from director Christian Alvert, uh, and he also did Case 39, which I thought was was uh, good, and uh, those are kind of his two big movies, uh, and I got to tell you, Pandorum, I think, is a complete unseen gem. This movie didn't do well in the theaters, however, I saw it in the theater, and I really, really enjoyed it, and then I rewatched it numerous times on Blu-ray, and I think it's fantastic. Ben Foster is in this, and Dennis Quaid. And they both do a fantastic job. Let me read the back of the movie here. It's pitch black on an abandoned ship 500 miles from Earth. For crew members, Corporal Brown, or Bauer, I'm sorry, and Lieutenant Peyton, uh, an unflinching vision of terror is about to be unleashed. From the creators of the Resident Evil films comes a horrifying descent into madness for a pair of astronauts who wake up in a hypersleep chamber. Disoriented with no memory of how they got there, with an unspeakable horror lurking around every corner, the astronauts uncover the terrifying reality that the survival of mankind hinges on their actions. Fear what happens next, is what it says here. Ooh. Uh, great movie. Man, this is this is top-tier sci-fi horror. Uh, I actually had wanted to hit on this movie in my when I was talking about The Thing and some of those other science fiction movies, but I ran out of time, so I'm I'm shoehorning it in on this one. Uh, this movie is creepy. It has uh, great performances, top-notch production values, and a killer ending. They could have dropped the ball on the ending, but instead it makes the whole movie worthwhile by the cool ending. I would have probably tightened the movie up just a bit. It is uh, not quite too – it's about an hour and 45-minute runtime, and that's fine, but it could have been tightened up just a hair in my opinion. But it's still it's still so, so cool. Um, Pandorum was the first film in a supposed trilogy, uh, but it's doubtful that sequels will ever see the light of day because the movie performed so poorly at the box office. And that's so unfortunate. Um, so unfortunate because it's such a good movie. Just a couple notes here. Ben Foster insisted to eat real live insects instead of using special effects uh, ones or dead ones. That's kind of interesting. Um, it's the first movie that had Ben Foster and John Foster brothers working together. And they share a scene in which John Foster wakes up to a nightmare as a nameless passenger and Ben Foster uh, as Bauer can't save him. Uh, the movie was originally planned to be shot on video as a low-budget feature for $200,000 in an abandoned paper mill with unknown actors until Impact Pictures read the script and showed interest. And uh, so, uh, anyway, it, it, I really, really, really wish this movie would have taken off. And Because uh, they already were, the end of this movie, and I'm, I'm trying to keep this vague, but uh, the end of this movie very much could have, opened up a whole new universe to the storyline that is shown in here. Um, there is 
alien space zombie type things going on, type stuff going on. And uh, again, I, I have to watch what I say. I don't want to spoil it too much. But let's just say that on this spaceship, it's very claustrophobic. There's creatures out to get the few remaining crew members. Uh, and there's just a lot of weird stuff going on. The budget was $33 million, and it only grossed $10 million in the United States. And that is so unfortunate. Um, I did my part, and I watched the movie in the theater, and I also bought the Blu-ray, and I'm proud of it. I think that it was really, really good. And I think that time will time will uh, be kind to this movie. I think that this could be a gem that is discovered down the road. Hopefully, if one, one or two of you out there decide to give it a chance, then I've done my job. I've at least... Uh, turned you on to something like this. It's uh, it is horror ish, but it's not flat out. I mean, if you are a fan of Ridley Scott's Alien and that series, you're going to enjoy this. I think it's not like it's uh, Event Horizon to where it's uh, blood and gore splattering through the screen. It's it's first and foremost science fiction, but there is definitely uh, horror elements to the movie. And again, that ending, wow, it's so good. So. Uh, I would love to hear thoughts on this movie. I'd love to, to, to know that someone out there watched it because of me because it really is a really good movie. Uh, not just this one, but the other two movies I talked about as well. Creature is a great late-night creature feature type thing. And uh, The Black Hole is a relatively family-friendly science fiction epic that should be rediscovered or seen for the first time. So uh, anyway... Yet another science fiction episode. I love doing science fiction episodes because I love science fiction. Uh, but I am going to wrap things up now. So give the movies a chance. And, um, uh, you know, I'm going to keep on doing this. And I'm going to hopefully keep on trying to turn you on to cool new movies or movies that, that should be rediscovered. So you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com for any questions or comments or movies that you think I should watch, movies that you think I should avoid. Um, anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, had a great session last night with uh, Movie Freaks, so you're going to be hearing that new episode here in the next couple days um, with my co-host Eric Marner. That's going to be on YouTube. And then, of course, I have to mention Cinema Sidekicks, as always. Uh, our buddies doing their own thing. They're on iTunes. Uh, go find them. Listen to their show. It's great stuff. So, again, thanks for listening. I'm Eugene Weaver, and until next time.